to Fucked Up by Faith. My name's Jude Mills. In this podcast, we have conversations with people who've been fucked up by their faith, and we explore how they found hope, healing, reconciliation, and forgiveness in or out of their faith tradition. My guest today is Kai Jensen. Kai is a genderqueer storyteller who calls the Pacific Northwest home. When not collecting stories, they spend time camping with their cat and spying on birds. Welcome, Kai. I'm delighted to have you on my podcast. This is really exciting. We haven't seen each other for a long time. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really, really excited. Yes, me too. And uh, as always, uh, well, in all six podcasts so far, (laughs) I begin by reading a poem or a blessing. And uh, today I'm going to read a poem from the uh, poet Lala, who is a medieval Indian poet. And this is called The Way is Difficult and Very Intricate. The way is difficult and very intricate. Lala discarded her books that told about it and through meditation saw the truth that never comes to anyone from reading words. Oh, I like that. Mm. So Kai... This podcast is called Fucked Up by Faith. And uh, that's the first question I'm going to ask you is, how have you been fucked up by your faith? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, my experience has been uh, kind of multifaceted. Uh, I, I grew up in a very evangelical household. Um, And what that means here in the States is uh, it's a a Protestant branch of Christianity that is quite, can be quite strict about um, the types of media you consume the types of uh they're they're quite uh close-minded like i can remember being in youth group and being told that all of my catholic friends were going to hell because Mm. if you weren't like because catholics worship false idols um by praying to the virgin mary and something about how purgatory like believing in purgatory is wrong but it like that kind of um very very insular very um very conservative interpretations of uh of the bible i i also remember um when i was quite small like probably four or five standing in my kitchen Uh, I grew up in this big old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere on a beef cattle farm in in the Midwest. Um, And so we're standing, it's like this big white, you know, hundred year old kitchen. 
and I'm talking and we're standing at the kitchen sink in front of the windows and, and my mom's best friend, Karen, is there. Um, and, I, and I said to Karen and my mom, I said, you know, if two of every animal got on the ark, what happened to all the dinosaurs? Mm. And they kind of just looked at each other and kind of looked at me and they're like, oh, ask, ask Pastor Rick on Sunday. They just kind of shoved it off. <laughs> and so on Sunday, I like, I think they had hoped that I would forget about it. But on Sunday, I dutifully, after the sermon and everything, walked up and in my mind, I tugged on his suit jacket, but I don't know if I actually <laughs> did that. And said, Pastor Rick, if two of all the animals got on the ark, what happened to all the dinosaurs after the flood? And he, he just kind of looked at me, uh, kind of annoyed. And he, he thought about it for a minute and he said, well, after the flood, the plants were so different that the dinosaurs didn't have anything to eat and that's why they all died. And there just was something like very unsatisfying about that answer to me, but also I had a very strong sense that like these grownups like didn't, like I was being a pest by asking these questions. Yeah. Um, so I learned to kind of be quiet about the questions I had quite young, but I, I liked going to church when I was that age. Like I liked being around the other kids. You know, I, I grew up 20 minutes from the nearest town, so I didn't see other kids very often. So it was nice like every week to see, be around some other kids. I liked the stories from the Bible. I thought mm -hmm. um, like it was fun to, you know, get to go have story time with some strangers, <laughs> and you know, uh, but yeah, as I got older, especially like into junior high and high school, um, some of those questions that I had got more and more pressing and, and those dissatisfying answers got less and less satisfying. <laughs> um, and for me, the, the kind of big shift uh, happened when I was 14, my parents split up and um, it, was a, it was a pretty big deal. It, like, uh, I didn't know anyone else whose parents were divorced um, in, you know, in, in the school I was in or um, it was a pretty Christian conservative town. So it yeah. wasn't something that was very acceptable. Um, and of course, as a kid, you just don't, understand what's going on and kind of blame yourself so I that was a moment that I kind of threw myself headlong I was like if I could just be a better Christian maybe but like this would stop happening okay. um it must it must be something that I'm doing that that is the reason that this is you know that the, my family is falling apart maybe it's those Catholic friends I have or something <laughs> I, I, I didn't actually think that. <laughs> um, so I, I read through the Bible again. I think that was my second or third time through it um, from start to finish. And I went on this um, 
I joined a new church because uh, we had my when my parents split up, we had moved, um, and I didn't have access to the church that I had grown up going to any longer. So um, I kind of threw myself head first into this group. I went on this retreat where we went down to Florida to one of those huge mega churches in the big, yeah. big, um, like, like a stadium you would go see a huge rock concert in. Mm -hmm. And man, that was a wild experience. Like on the one hand, I'm like on this bus with all these other like teenagers with the beginnings of raging hormones or sometimes full-fledged raging hormones. And we're all kind of like, you know, trying to be like, behave ourselves, but also really enjoying like some time away from our parents with yeah. each other. Um, but we get to this huge like event and people are laying hands on each other and praying for each other, clawing people up to the stage to get like healed and people are speaking in tongues and being slain in the spirit. And I had never seen anything like that. I didn't know. I, ha I think I had a sense that like, this was some like cult stuff that you weren't supposed to do, yeah. um, which was really confusing for me. Cause I was like, but these are like, this is my new church family. <laughs> like um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't lead me astray. And it was just an incredibly intense several days. Uh, at first I was just terrified, really scared. Um, and eventually I kind of was like, well, maybe this is the thing that'll like save my family. <laughs> so <laughs> just kind of, embraced it um and i got back into town with all of these other people um and there there were some kids kind of parked in the church parking lot who were friends of ours who knew that we were coming back from this trip and one of my friends came up to me and said I've got some really bad news. There's been a car accident. Some boys uh, in the class just above mine um, had been in a bad car accident and three of them passed away and two of them were really seriously injured. Hmm. Um, and it was just this moment of, no matter how hard I've prayed, no matter what, I, no matter how many of the rules in the Bible I've followed, uh, like nothing, like it doesn't make any difference. It didn't fix my family. It like, you know, how, how is it that, that there's theoretically this like loving God who lets these like high school kids die for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, and it just was kind of the, this moment for me where the, I, I really lost faith in, in a very like concrete, like I just was like, I've, I spend so much time and energy beating myself up for not following all of these rules. And, it, and like, 
I just keep feeling more and more miserable and more and more bad stuff keeps happening. And that was kind of the end that I, I stopped going to church at that point, um, which, which was an interesting transition. Like uh, I, you know, at that point I was in the youth ministry team with that church. Um, the first time I, <laughs> I didn't call it this at the time, but I now, uh, like to say that the first time I ever did drag was playing Jesus in a, <laughs> in a <laughs> with that group. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of the big shift for me in, in uh, like I had kind of a last last ditch effort to see if if I could if what it felt like was being promised by this practice uh, could actually happen. And there was also a component of, you know, I was really disillusioned with my parents at that point, because obviously they weren't doing the right things um, in my, according to the Bible um, and you know, I had some folks, some youth group leaders and, and folks that I really looked up to and like getting closer to them. I also realized like they're just human and they like mess this stuff up all the time. And I just kind of started realizing like, seems like people use church in my community as just like a way to kind of make sure that they're like seen and being seen as doing the right thing in the community. But, but it's not about actually being a better person. And yeah. that felt really, that was another kind of like, I'm doing this to try to be the best person I possibly can. And it is just making me feel worse and worse. And these people that I look up to aren't really that great of people. It seems like under, like, <laughs> And now I obviously have a more complex understanding of like, of course, everyone is just trying to do their best all the time. But at the time, it was really, it was, it was upsetting to realize that all of these grownups that I look up, looked up to were not the shining examples of uh mm. of christianity that i had been led to believe they were yes and um so you described this this moment of and it it, it seems that there was a trend you know this transitional moment where you arrived back in town and these poor kids had been killed and in this car accident and and the the mega church hadn't fixed your parents' marriage, and and it it seems as you're you're telling this this beautiful story of it that it just went switch, and there was a moment. Is that how it feels? Like there was just this yeah. Moment? That, I think that is probably a little bit of an oversimplification. I think um, there was there was a period of of probably a month or two that where I was like, 
you know, digging back through the Bible and like going to these boys' visitations and funerals and really thinking about. I, and not that anyone kind of acknowledged it at the time, but I, I was depressed. I was having some pretty um, significant mental health like issues mm -hmm. because of everything that was going on. Um, and I think that also made it hard like, I can remember my drama teacher calling my parents, or my mom, I guess. Um, I didn't realize that he had done this until afterwards, but I got home from school one day. My mom said, your, your teacher called and said that you were acting really weird in class. You need to stop, like, you need to snap out of it kind of a thing. And I was like, like, I'm like in shock. I'm like having a hard time processing <laughs> all of the stuff that's going on. Um, and, it, and it wasn't, the teacher who called was just like, yeah, like Kai doesn't seem like themselves and like they seem really upset and they're very quiet and they see like, seem kind of shaky and I, I just like they were like voicing some concern right it wasn't yeah. like I was acting out in school um but that thing that you might get some help yeah yes but that is not how it was perceived no um by my parents so yeah it, it was it wasn't kind of an instantaneous like all right I'm done with this um, but that moment definitely was the catalyst for, you know, over the period, uh, over a period of the next like month or so of really kind of turning some of those cogs that, that had, you know, some of those, like, what happened to all the dinosaurs? Like, does it, it doesn't seem real that the earth was created in 4,000 years, like, it doesn't seem like if I follow all of these rules that the world is getting any better, at least mm -hmm. the slice of the world that I can see. Yeah. So I'm curious and it's a curiosity that comes up often when I have these conversations and it's about, because often the experience of church and faith and of losing confidence, I guess, in church and faith is often about the the rules and and required behaviours that, that sort of surround it, but not necessarily about God. <laughs> and you did mention God um, in terms of why would a why would a supposedly loving God let this stuff happen? And I'm wondering if the loss of was the loss of faith in the in the church also a loss of faith in God, or was it more of a I don't particularly like that God that would do that. 
I actually think it was more of a loss of faith in other people. Right. Yeah. Like it was a loss of faith in my parents, in the pastors that I had been involved, like been around the, it was a loss of faith in, in that community mm-hmm. that was supposed to help each other follow these, you know, the Ten Commandments and these other kind of um, teachings to make a better and stronger community. But what I saw people doing was using church as an excuse to be perceived as better than other people. Mm. <laughs> like, like it was a popularity contest and a, uh, yeah, kind of a spiritual one up Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, my my relationship to like god or or a more spiritual practice wasn't really a huge i mean i prayed and did all the things that you were supposed to do but i think and I, of course, I didn't think about it at the time, but like looking back on it, this conversation is making me realize that I think that for me, religion was much more of a social um, community than it felt necessarily like an active faith practice. Um, yeah. And Yeah, I, I've, I think I've always thought about it a bit like communism seems really great on paper, but when people, when you couple that with power, people do <laughs> yes. really crap things with it. Like Maybe. that's always been kind of how I think mm-hmm. about religion too. Like, you know, on paper, like the teachings of Jesus seem great. Yeah. Treat each other like you want to be treated. Like, don't treat prostitutes and lepers and and other people any different than than you would treat anybody else and in fact maybe you'd be a little bit extra nice to them like that kind of stuff I'm like yeah that those things make sense to me yes. um but when you couple that with it's your duty to give the church 20 percent of your income every month so the pastor can drive a shiny new cadillac Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Mm. Yes. It, it yeah, it didn't um No, it doesn't square, does it? No. It just it doesn't. feels really disingenuous. And you know, and then the older I got, of course, the more disingenuous things felt like there was there was a year that i was in my like 
probably mid twenties uh, and was fairly recently out to my family um, as queer. And my aunt was hosting Thanksgiving or Christmas. No, it must have been Christmas um, in a town in Iowa that my partner at the time had gone to school in. And my aunt happened to be a member of this mega church there in town that my partner uh, had been a part of when they were in college in, in that town and um, had really some really negative experiences, um, very, you know, hateful rhetoric against uh, queer people and trans people. And my partner was queer and trans. Um, and it, it was incredibly difficult for them to talk about those experiences. And my mom <laughs> invites me to this uh, Christmas Eve service at that at that church and I said I, I I can't go to that church like that church has been actively harmful to someone that is incredibly dear to me and like why would I go somewhere to be surrounded by people who don't think that I have a right to exist or that think that I am sinning or who think that that somehow that who I am is wrong like, I don't want to be around those people. And my mom just didn't understand. She's like, just, it'll make your grandparents happy. It's just one day. Nobody's going to say anything to you. And I was like, you don't understand. Like, why would, why would you want to go somewhere to surround yourself by people who actively think that you're like the product of the devil? <laughs> I would just put that to the side for one evening. <laughs> just, it'll make your grandparents happy. <laughs> D deny your existence. Yeah. Hmm. And so how did, how did it, was it resolved? Uh, I didn't go. <laughs> no. Uh... I can't recall, honestly, uh, what, <laughs> what the ultimate resolution of that was. I just remember driving in my car and like talking, like trying to explain on this drive to my aunt's house that like I was not going to go to that church no matter what. Mm. Mm. Um, there was there was another Christmas Eve a few years after that uh, out in Maryland, and my mom wa was going to uh, a church out there. That's where she lives, and um, I I it was another year. It'll make your grandparents happy. And at least this church like doesn't have anything explicitly anti 
LGBTQ that I could tell. So I kind of gave in that year. But it, I, I, I won't go to a Christmas service again, but I'm kind of glad that I went because it, having been away for so long, I forgot how much of the messaging that I grew up with was about how fucked up you are as an individual from you got no chance of not being fucked up mm. you're fucked up from the get-go yeah soon as you're born or conceived like you're a hot mess and you can't do anything about it you have no agency the only thing that is going to save you is that you like constantly beg forgiveness mm -hmm. to to a, an entity slash three entities that are kind of one entity don't think about it too hard <laughs> <laughs> that's the best description of the trinity that i have heard so, so far <laughs> I, in, I can remember in church somebody describing it as like a pretzel mm -hmm. like the oh. Like it's one piece, but it creates those three holes. <laughs> yeah, that helps it to make sense. I don't think it did. I don't know. No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> hmm. Every time I have again, every time I have these conversations, I want to say sorry, and then I think, Jude, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, hence fucked up by faith, yeah. how, how and why it was born. Um, yeah. So you haven't been back to a Christmas service or any service? No, that, um, that service that I went to was the only one that I had, I think, the last time I like regularly, like I stopped going to church in like 2000, 2001. And uh, that Christmas Eve service that I went to was probably in, I don't know, 2010, 2011. Um, but yeah, haven't, mm. haven't been since. Well done. So something that comes up often as well in conversations with queer folks who, you know, have maybe been in a church or in a faith and have left for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, and there's quite often people are saying to me that it's as if the perception is that queer people are not allowed to have an expression of faith or 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 spirituality um, and and I'm wondering how that plays out for you I think for most of my 20s I didn't I just felt like there wasn't a good version of spirituality or of faith or you know I, I felt like 
there, I didn't trust anyone to be doing it the right way or, or in a way that not even that there's a right way, but that in a way that felt, I don't know, ge genuine, uh, or true, like true to what felt like the essence of what those teachings are meant to how they're meant to be followed. Mm. Um, and it's only been, I'm 35, <laughs> like, how old am I uh, now? And it's only been in the last couple of years that I've started kind of thinking about what might it look like to have some kind of community that, that does kind of... Um, provide that care and support and thoughtfulness for one another and for the broader community that they're a part of. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm reading a book right now um, called The Art of Gathering, I think is what it's mm. called. Yes. Um, it's by Priya Parker. Um, it's not about religion at all, but it's making me think she's talking about like, whether you're having a dinner party or, you know, hosting a huge conference or something like being really clear about why you're gathering and what the, um, what the rules of that space are and who's invited and who isn't invited. Um, and, I think that maybe for me, what was missing in the religious experiences that I had growing up is that we weren't being intentional about why we were meeting. We were taking for granted that the reason we were meeting was to, to like follow the script. Like, okay, we stand up, we sing a hymn, we sit down, we do a prayer, we, you know, stand up, do another hymn, turn around, shake hands with your neighbors. <laughs> sit down listen to a guy talk for a while yeah. <laughs> you know we did the same thing over and over again and I think that there was meaning in those rituals at some point but it it had gotten disconnected I I, I think uh at least for me um and and I think some of that disconnect was like how can we say that this group of people is fine, but this other group of people is somehow like horribly wrong. Like it, it just didn't seem, when instead of focusing on, you know, what, how can we follow these teachings to the best of our abilities to take care of each other and to, of our community, um, and more about I'm part of the people who figured it out, but all of those people are wrong yeah. and they're going to hell. <laughs> like, yes, that, that isn't, 
that's not the reason that I get excited about gathering with other people. So, so <laughs> the point at all really? of the people who, <laughs> who are like, so look down my nose at all of these other people. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, I, I don't know, in the last few years, I've like, I have a few friends who are Jewish and mm. like have kind of figured out how to do some pretty cool like queer Jewish traditions that that feel closer to like what if I were to have like a regular spiritual practice like there are some some of the aspects of the way that they practice things are kind of appealing um and they're all you know I I have a friend from when I lived in Omaha who she and her husband she's a minister at like a Unitarian Mm -hmm. or Universalist church um and her husband is a scientist they they were regulars of mine at a bar I worked at um she was great at like I didn't ever think it at the time, but now I'm like, I, you know, I would go to, maybe I would go to one of her church services. Like I trust her to, to like hold a space and hold people accountable to like being there for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, the UUE are pretty inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also kind of a distrust of like, will it seem like that on the outside? And then when you get into it, you suddenly realize that it's not that way at all. Mm. You know, there's always that fear that even if it's more convincing sheep costume, it doesn't yes. necessarily, like it could be a wolf <laughs> after all. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and completely understandably so. I think too, I, as I've gotten older, like I've developed like some more, like some of the spiritual practices that I have that are just like, for me, um, are things that would fall into the occult, I, I suppose. <laughs> like I, um, I read tarot for myself somewhat mm-hmm. regularly. Um, and, and just kind of some of those like, little practices of being mindful and intentional about reflecting on where I'm at, where I'm going, how I'm, how am I taking care of other people? How am I taking care of myself? Um, It has become kind of an individual practice for me. And, but there is a part of me that kind of misses like being in community with other people because, because you, Otherwise you don't have that accountability and you don't have that like moment where you're like, Hey, I could really, I'm really having a hard time go of it. Like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's a very, it's a very basic human need, isn't it? To, to, you know, are thriving even on a, on a, on a, on a very basic evolutionary level is, is based in community mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, that's, I guess, partly what church 
and other religious communities serve for some people is that sense of being part of um, even even if it's completely fucked up yeah. <laughs> we're still part of it it's you know it's our fucked up um and i think certainly nowadays um you know people particularly people who would ordinarily be excluded from those spaces for whatever reason queer folk as one example are creating their own very intentional communities you know and whether it's it's in implicitly spiritual or not there's i believe there's always when it's intentional there's a spiritual component you know um, and i think I that's like hugely that. positive yeah yeah I, you know so many of us have strained or uh no relationship at all with our our blood relatives our, yeah. our birth family you know and we create we create family and community in really lovely vibrant ways and I, and i think that they are a little bit they feel more genuine and a little bit more successful because we're not going off those scripts there is no like all right here's how we're gonna do life we're gonna get married have 2.5 kids buy a house uh and you know whatever there's n there's no sit down stand up sing a song like we don't have those scripts that we're running off of we're kind of making it up as we go along and i think that that is a really exciting possibility for all kinds of community whether it's the people you live with whether it's the people that you gather with um you know there's a really beautiful um space here in oregon called wolf creek um and it was started as a place for gay men with AIDS to be able to gather and um, both like celebrate their lives, but also a, a place that people could go and, and um, be taken care of uh, by their community, you know, if, if needed. It wasn't exclusively to people with AIDS. It was the gay community in general, but that was a big part of it. And it's not unique. Uh, there's also a community called Ida that is very similar on the yeah. um, East Coast. But Wolf Creek, so, you know, is a thriving community. It's loads of queers of all sorts. They, they've had some growing pains in accepting the like trans folks trans. and, um, you know, folks outside of that like cis male uh, initial you know the gay guys group um they've ha they've had some growing pains in in welcoming other uh folks into that community but they're they're showing up and doing the work and and you know i have a lot of dear friends who go down there for beltane and Samhain and have mm. these like really beautiful and affirming experiences i haven't gone yet but it's on it's it's on my like maybe bucket list <laughs> like, like supplementary days, bucket list yeah. it's, well it's on my like some days it's very enthusiastic enthusiastically on my bucket list like that sounds amazing and some days i'm like whoa that sounds terrifying well yes sometimes things can sound way too peopley yeah <laughs> 
Hmm. Yes. So, I know that you go camping with your cat. I do. I have, and I've seen the pictures to prove it. And I, and I know, you know, from knowing you and from following you on social media that, that being in the outdoors is a big part of your, how you, uh, enjoy life and and i'm wondering how much of that is an expression of your spirituality yeah i i i think that is a huge part of my spirituality although i i don't know that i would have described it that way until quite recently mm -hmm. um growing up you know, like I said, I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere on a farm in the Midwest, and I was often given pretty much free reign, you know, 10 mile bike rides that are all day long. It's fine. They, like, yeah. no, like, as long as we were home, by the time it got dark, like, yeah. whatever we wanted to get up to was fine. Um, so I spent a lot of time by myself in the woods, uh, in the cow pasture, in the cornfields, and up a tree with my cat. <laughs> uh, that, I think that those moments felt more like I was connecting some to something bigger than myself mm -hmm. than going to church did and in a like profound level yeah uh and when i moved to oregon in 2013 i realized i don't know like i grew i grew up on the other side of the rocky mountains and the other side of the mississippi so mm -hmm. all of our birds and plants and things were quite different you know we have cardinals and blue jays and things in the midwest that that don't exist out here and i felt such a strong connection to like feeling like for the first time i feel like this might be home this might be a place that i feel comfortable being much closer to my true and authentic self when mm. I leave my house than anywhere else I've ever lived. Mm. But for, for this to be home, I need to, I need to build that understanding of the space that I am now in. Yeah. Uh, and for me that almost immediately became about, let me learn about these strange new birds I'm seeing. Let me, uh, let me, and it started a little bit even before I moved out here, I, I was finishing uh, my first master's in Omaha. I'll tell you a I'll tell you a secret mm -hmm. that I 
<laughs> have almost never shared and now it'll be out in the world. Okay. I failed my comprehensive exams uh, the first time I took them. Mm-hmm. And the master's program that I was in, um, the way that it worked was it didn't matter what your, I mean, I, I had, I graduated with honors from that program uh, eventually, but it didn't matter what my grades were, my GPA, if you don't pass this like three hour writ, like sat exam, mm-hmm. you don't get your degree. Oof. You get two tries. Ooh. So I failed it the first time. I And I'm pretty like, being a student comes pretty easily to me. Yeah. Uh, you've been in class with me, you know, <laughs> I, I, know this. Yes. I enjoy it. And so it was a huge blow to my ego. It also like came, like I had, I had just gotten a divorce. I don't, did you know that I was married for five years? I, I did know that. We haven't yeah, talked about um, it here, but I, but I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, so I had just gotten a divorce, like things were very up in the air and I just bombed the test, just bombed it. I also took the hardest reading list from the hardest professor in our department because that's the kind of person that I am. (laughs) Uh, And so I took two years um, and, and I waited until a friend of mine was going to take we're just going to sit for their comprehensive exam. And I was like, I'm going to do whatever list you're doing and we'll study together. Mm-hmm. And they were doing the creative writing list. And I was like, great, but it, it didn't really work out so well that we studied together very much. What I ended up doing is take, because a lot of those books were Annie Dillard and like some of those like very like nature writing kind of things. I took a lot of them with me out to Boyer shoot uh, wildlife refuge mm-hmm. um, and spent days and days and days just like poking around following deer trails. It's this beautiful space that is really sublime because it was flooded um, in 2008 or 2009. The whole place was flooded out. And, and there hasn't really, you know, this was in, you know, 2009, 2010, like shortly after it had happened. So it's just like the whole landscape has been changed. There's these like pavilions that are like up to the picnic table tops full of silt from the river and just this very and there's these like um wild sunflowers that are quite small uh but grow in these clusters all over and it's just this beautiful beautiful space that hardly any humans are are spending any time in because all the Mm. trails were kind of um washed out and things and Yeah, so I started spending a lot of time there and I would just show up with my snacks and my books and hang out by the river or go for a walk. And um, so a big part of studying for that second test, but also dealing with the fact that I failed it Mm -hmm. um, had to do with spending a lot of time in a way that I really hadn't since I was a kid, like mm-hmm. out in the woods by myself, kind of free ranging, um, 
Yeah, and I'm I made all sorts of friends. I had I ran into a group of wild turkeys one day when I was lost and <laughs> ended up following them. them back to the river so I could find my way <laughs> out. Yeah. Um, I you know I saw deer all the time. I made I uh, when the shoot gets low in the fall and winter you can walk in the in the shoot bed for quite a ways and I found a beaver dam and was mm. I didn't realize it was a beaver dam when I sat there I just thought it was a tangle of trees and suddenly I've got like these this pair of beavers hanging oh, out at wow. my feet like it's magical just these really beautiful experiences and one of the weirdest was I was sitting along the riverbank and I just see this huge shadow come and it was it was alarming so I was like mm. what it like what is this huge thing <laughs> and <laughs> I I kind of caught it off the, out of the corner of my eye and then see it sort of coming back and it's white so it's not a bald mm. eagle which was my first guess though yeah. they're they're huge they're, they're like huge. the size they're of big. a yeah. toddler um but what it actually turned out to be was a white pelican wow in the middle of the united states uh they've got like an eight or nine foot wingspan yeah. but what is a pelican doing <laughs> in the middle of the country <laughs> like <laughs> and it was just this, like it just like flew overhead landed on the river floated right by me like we had this moment we looked at each other like it did it again and it just felt like we were kind of hanging out with each other but in this bit, like what are you doing in like in the middle of this country i thought you were like an ocean bird turns <laughs> out that pelicans migrate and uh are found all over in the, in the interior over. yeah yeah in various places but i i had no idea so the pelican was kind of the first moment of like oh there's stuff about nature that i don't understand the way that i thought and then mm. you know as i was traveling and realizing that there were fewer and fewer birds that i recognized um it, it became very much uh like i want i want to i want to form that kind of bond and connection with this new place that that mm. you get from knowing the names of things yes yeah it's certainly a, a part of the world that i feel very at home in and i can't explain why that is but seeing a wild turkey for the first time was really quite exciting i've i've only ever seen a turkey on a farm right and yeah <laughs> and I... big cats in the wild <laughs> which is very exciting as well. Have mm. you seen one in the wild? Um, no, and I was desperate also to see a moose and I didn't see one. You know what I just recently learned? What you, oh, let's see if I can get this right. What red deer are elk and your elk are our moose or something right. like that? Yeah. Do you, so in Europe, you know what I'm I mean, talking we don't, about? We don't have them in the UK anymore because everything was hunted to extinction. Mm. But in Scandinavia, the the moose are called elk, and what yes. what you call elk in North America, 
or deer, you know, red deer. It's very confusing. But <laughs> I just learned about that. Uh, yeah, the, I, have, I have a little bit of an obsession with moose, but that's an, that's an entirely different podcast. <laughs> oh, if you ever come out this way to go hang oh, out with moose, I'm, we should I'm do it together. Totally coming. Yes. As soon as we're allowed to travel freely. Yeah. I shall, I'll be there. So I know that um, you've chosen a poem which is not entirely off topic. It is not. It's not. Yes, I have chosen a popular poet uh, with your guest, apparently. Um, yes, I've got a Mary Oliver poem. Uh, this one is Wild Geese, which I will try to read it in as lovely a, a fashion as she does. There are several recordings of her mm. reading it, and I also recommend listening to her do it proper justice. <laughs> Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Mm. Exquisite. Thank you. And thank you so much, Kai, for joining me today. It's been really, really great. Yeah, thank you. I have really, really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Fucked Up by Faith with me, Jude Mills. Our music is by David Goodall and you can find the podcast on Spotify and all major podcast channels. If you would like to take part in the podcast or you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please do get in touch. You can do that via my website, judemills.com forward slash podcast. And I look forward to hearing from you. Go well. Go well.